Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. We are back in Denver. We are back from, man, you know, I, I settled into the house on, I guess it'd be like Sunday afternoon and, uh, man, waking up Monday and just home, God, it <laughs> felt good. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I'm notorious for getting homesick literally eight minutes into any trip I really? take. Oh, dude. I love the idea of a trip. The second I'm at the trip, I'm usually like, I kind of wish I was back home, even though the trip is, whatever the trip is, is super, super cool. There's a term for what you're talking about. Yeah. It's called American. <laughs> that's the that's the term. Um, always, always the other side of the coin. No. Um, not always, but you know. It's really only with that. I mean, I, I really like my house. I have a great relationship with my wife. I like my dogs. I like my stuff. I like my surroundings. That's really the only thing. I found out just now why I like you. Not because you're wearing pink today. Like a lot, you're wearing <laughs> a lot of pink today. Um, but you do remind me of my wife. Like you're kind of my second wife. Yeah. Like of all of the people <laughs> on the planet that I would have to say who's most wife-like other than your wife to you right. would be you. Yeah. And it's because she too, she misses our dogs yeah. all the time. Yeah. I go away from home. The second I don't have to feed them, I forget about them. Like I, I haven't missed. I have pictures of the dogs in the van. Right. I printed these black and white canvas pictures and put them in the van. Actually, on Easter Sunday this year in Bentonville, by myself, and I thought it'd bring me like you know more of this home spirit. I'll miss the little bastards. Like out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> yeah. Kind of across the board. Yeah. I, we have an, one of our two dogs is he's very senior, and so you know we know the time's getting short with him. So I. Uh, I don't know. I want to be around him. I I, pre- I appreciate that. And we, you were staying at a condo in Breck that, like mine in Breck, didn't allow dogs. So I didn't even. It's pretty universal. They yeah, I, I didn't. Like, even. Imagine you have a condo. Would you let some Texans rent your place and bring up their big shitbag dogs? If I had a condo, I would have a no Texan clause. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so we've been yeah we've been gone for a hot minute and. Uh, I put on the schedule, you know, Leadville into Breck. <laughs> Didn't realize what that sandwich was going to feel like. Uh, just on the logistics, packing, yeah. transport. Well, and for you things. with the Dawn to Dusk athletes that added, it's no longer, there was nothing about your Leadville experience this year that was like a selfish solo bike race effort. I mean, even down to the fact that, that I didn't literally get to ride by myself right. solo. That's what I mean. I mean, yeah. like the last time you did uh, a lead epic, uh, Leadville straight into Breck. It was solo, selfish, just in time. Yeah, I camped, you, I camped alone yeah. in the back of my truck and rode a one geared bike alone. Like it was yeah. as alone alone as you can get. Yeah. Uh, and then this one, you had a grown man stuck to my ass. You did. You had a you had a Rob stuck to your ass. I mean, there were times when he'd be like, "Oh, sorry, dude, that was my helmet," and he's referring to the bump on my ass crack. Uh, We'll get into that, but boy, oh boy, that's a that's a next level. Yeah, getting close to maybe my other wife is Rob at this point. Maybe just for this. You week guys still. are just a little bit. 
at the at the risk of being rather crude, he knows what your butt crack smells like. Listen, we have touched more than you and I have touched. <laughs> Rob and I have touched more in nine hours and thirty eight minutes than you and I have touched the whole time we've known each other. This is true. Where is this podcast going? I don't know. We need to get it back on the rails. We got back from Breckenridge. You successfully completed. I'm going to rephrase that. You successfully smashed the Breck Epic. Abby and I successfully completed all miles of the Breck Epic. And we were not in last place. <laughs> I didn't ever for a second think that you would be, for the record. And I told her as much. I mean, for the record, we were second to last place. <laughs> but uh, I look at the total scope of the whole race. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was amazing. She, The fact that she finished. So Abby and I finished Breck Epic. Uh, Chad on our team, he freaking smashed. And with the exception of a couple mechanical issues... That cost him the top box, which he was on for half the race. Uh, he pulls away second place yep. um, in the men's 30-plus. And then we had a few racers not see the finish. We had an attrition rate that was a bit borderline nasty. Our group got small. We were loud and rambunctious after days one and two, and we were just kind of there the rest of the time. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we talked. We kind of covered this in one of our non-racing episodes we did um, about wilderness areas, about how we kind of don't take things seriously sometimes. Yeah, Yeah, and there are thousands of people missing today in these areas. That's a fun episode. Go check that one out. Uh, It's like got Sasquatch and stuff. Uh, But I also think that that happens sometimes with these events, right? Like six days of real Colorado Backcountry, single track, remote mountain biking. It, well, you look at it, you sign up, and you're like, "Well, there's somebody." My somebody asked me, "Like, well, do you have to like qualify for it?" And I was like, "I thought to myself, I realized, no, you can just pay." Yeah, anyone can do it. Anyone, anyone can, can sign up for anyone it. Anyone can sign up for it, and that might be a little bit dangerous because this is some real deal shit. You're up on the top of of Wheeler. There are opportunities to fall for a very long time there you can get real smashed out there and you know uh everyone's everyone's racing meaning everyone's pushing their limit Mm -hmm. now we're going to get into this the limit at the front of the race and the limit at the back of the race are different limits but people are still pushing their limits no matter where they are in the field and so if you're out there and you do something stupid and you get stranded hurt busted like you're in a bad way the first 10 or 15, 20 or more people that pass you are racing. Yeah. You know, they're on their limit. And so if somebody's on their limit, it is hard to ask them, hey, I just did something really bad and I need you to, to help me with this. Now, it happens, um, but it can't be relied on. Maybe the same way if you went to like Buff Creek for on a Saturday. And if something bad happened to you, there's going to be 200 people that pass you that are willing to stop and help. Right. In a bike race at, on Wheeler Pass at almost 13,000 feet, you got to be pretty self-sufficient or not make mistakes right. or be fit and healthy enough to be there or, 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 and wow. not everyone is. And also, you know, something to, to think about is I, it's kind of like when you rolled through that third aid station on the last day of Ruta and there was the, the explosion of bike riders. Right, And you had that realistic conversation of, I have no tools to offer you. Right, yeah. A, a compound fracture in the leg, I'm just going to look at it and be like, well, that's really gross. 
I can't really, do anything with it. If the bike's broken, I might be able to help somebody. And if somebody, I could probably diagnose a concussion. But after that, all I can say is, yeah, you got a concussion. Yeah, you can't fix their brain. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was a guy uh, on uh, on the Guyot Day at the top of Colorado Trail. And he was flustered. And I've been there many times this year with a flat tire. Hey, man, can I help you? Yeah, do you have a tube? Reluctant, but yes. I've, I've tried to put four tubes in and they, none of them work. I was like, I'm sorry, man, I'm not giving you a fifth tube. Like, that, you just got to start walking. Like, yeah. I, I had to have that, yeah. like, come to Jesus with that guy. I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going into that part of the trail. Yeah, you've done this four times unsuccessfully. <laughs> You're getting my one parachute <laughs> and I don't think it. you know how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I had to, I relied on that. I used, on day one, I used six CO2s to get back on the trail. How many did you start the day? Well, how many do you carry? I carry two now. Yeah, I carry two. And so I used six. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> I had four awesome people that were able to help me out. Now, um, so I get it. You know, yeah. when you're in need, if no one's there to help you, yeah. um, you're walking. Yeah. And it, it's hard because... You know, again, even if you get the help that you need to get back to civilization, quote unquote, like not all the way back to Breck, but to the next aid station, because that's really all the on-course support you're going to get. Right. You're still far away. Yeah, the the routes are big. Uh, you know, we'll get into some of the details, but you, you could be as far away as 20 miles from where you started. And those 20 miles are a remote 20 miles. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right, well, let, let's hit the facts. Okay, so we had um, we had a group of us go out there. And within our group, we had a second-place finish men's 30-plus. Uh, you completed in the men's 40-plus. Abby and I completed in the duo, duo co-ed. And then we had somebody flame out that was performing very well with two dislocated fingers and they it created such pain when they tried to start the next day they literally could not hold the handlebar um tried to fight through it but the hand wouldn't work like this is not a ride you can do with a non-functioning right hand um the descents are rough the climbs are technical yeah like you have to have all you have to have all and then some because remember you're going to these races to find a next level right so you can't be showing up with less tools um be it two fingers or a missing wheel or whatever. So we had a dislocated couple of fingers, jacked up hand. That person went to the hospital that day, didn't get to finish stage three. They DNF'd. We had also on stage three, um, a broken, and I'm just going to say shoulder. Yeah. It's the, 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 the word for it was something tuberosity. It's like, it's not the socket. It's not the, the cup for the shoulder socket. It's not the scapula. It's literally the big bone that goes through your bicep, the top of that on the outside. Got it. So it broke his shoulder. Yeah. The bone. So he's out. Can't cast it. It's just a immobilize and, and sling. Yep. Sling and repair for three months. And then we had uh, our last rider who valiantly attacked one of the hardest races in the country uh, uh, at a relatively ripe age. And he... Uh, is only in his second year of mountain biking. Yeah. Um, so valiant, valiant effort. He did three great days. And on the fourth day, um, got to a spot where 
in his own words, it was just unsafe to go forward and unfair to the race crew, meaning the volunteers, the sweep, the people on course. I was at his house just the other day and he said, you know, it was just unfair for me to like walk the entire stage and then them have to walk behind me. That's just not cool. Um, he tried to get back onto his bike after, uh, after climbing that wheeler. And even on the flats, he was disoriented, couldn't manage the bike, couldn't handle the bike and just was off and thought to himself, this is, this is pretty dangerous going into further exposure and higher elevation. So, um, pulled there, got to the top of wheeler and pulled, um, He's a man that is more stubborn than the most stubborn of goats and uh, made a very intelligent decision in a moment that was probably far more emotional than than a racer ever wants to be. So kudos to him for knowing when he's met a limit and, uh, and to set the tone to come back. So that means we had three people pull out and then we had our three finishings, which were four people, yeah. uh, complete the stage. And I think that's pretty par for the course on that event. Yeah, you know, I, it's weird. I don't, I don't ever really look at DNF lists, um, and I, I, I didn't this time either. But I have to assume that with as hard as as the event is, that there was yeah, a pretty high attrition rate overall. Yeah, if you look into, they have like a DNF list you can look at, but it doesn't seem to be updated. Uh, entirely but if you look at each category and scroll through you'll see like you know finishing times and you'll see the ones that don't and it, there's quite a bit especially when you get into like the 40 plus 50 plus 60 yeah, plus yeah. you see a lot of them there uh, and there's some duo duo teams that dropped and so there's a lot of stuff that can happen even intra-race my buddy mark the firefighter from oh. vegas he he was there with a partner and his partner just couldn't do it that was in 2019 right well, no, just this year too. His it partner. Twenty nineteen. Yeah, ex- yeah, happened in twenty nineteen. And so what they do, the race will pull him, and then put you in a different category, right. which is pretty cool. So Mike Mack pulled Mark and put him into then the Clydesdale. Yep. Um, he's definitely that. Yeah, this guy's awesome. He's the only guy that finishes a race and goes directly to a stogie and a whiskey, um, and for some ways like makes it look cool, almost like I want to have a stogie and a whiskey. You know, I'm not a fan of the handlebar mustache, but his whole like top to bottom vibe is like very in line it, in line in like a really weird way so like well he's got the shape completely shaved head okay right. but he but and he wears the cycling cap with the visor flipped up yep in the handlebar mustache which screams hipster but he's also giant and pretty yoked yeah he's an over 200 pound firefighter and so to me he just looks like an old-timey strongman Ah, uh, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with the big barbells, with the big balls on the end, the big ball. Yeah, yeah I. It's exactly what he looks like. So it does come together <laughs> That's how there. It works. Yeah, it does. It does. He and he might travel with the circus. The guy turns fifty next year and is retiring, which yeah. is pretty cool. It's a benefit of being like you know firefighter, policeman, First things responder. like that. Yeah. So pretty cool. He's gonna be retired at fifty and uh, may very well meet me down in Cabo for my fortieth next year, which is cool. So. But uh, a lot of people didn't finish, yeah. even in our group, and and you could see why, man. Like each day presses on, and you know what I really admired about both what you did and about what Abby did this year was that there was never I never had doubt about you two finishing, and it's not that I had doubt about the other people finishing as well either. But there's just some some people got something in them, 
And Abby's got it, yeah. right? She's got this like fierce, not quit stubbornness in her. Um, and you were just as prepared as possible. So there was never, I never saw you dip. I, um, this was such a unique experience for me, despite the last seven years of bike racing. Um, the, one of the biggest ones for me, specifically with this experience, was the, the self-sufficiency, the self-reliance across the whole thing, right? Like, all the events that we've done, especially the big ones, it's been just you jump into a leadership role, whether right. it's asked of you or not. Right. And so here's the menu plan. Here's where we're staying. Here's what the day is. I'll have you, I'll be at the finish line with the truck on and on and on and on. Uh, and this one, it was, all right, get out of the nest. Like, go do it. Right. You know how to do it. You've done it. And whether that was intentional or not on your part, um, it, it happened. Uh, we were basically in charge of our own menu. It, you know how to eat? Yeah. Okay. Go buy groceries. Right? <laughs> Do you know where the race is? Yeah. Okay. Get there. Do you know where your house is after the race? Okay. Yeah. Get there after that. Do you know what to eat while you're on the bike? Yeah. Okay. Bring that. You know, it was one of those things yeah. where the, not to say that the training reels were really on anymore, but there was never a question of what my daily on bike nutrition was going to be, how I was going to get to and from, how the you know our drop bags were going to get to the race venue in the morning. There was it, there was none of that. It was just complete self reliance. And then um, when Colin left early, it like ratcheted that all the way up, like a hundred percent. Like it was just me in the condo by myself, figuring it out. Yeah, uh, executing it. Executing. Yeah. yeah sorry. You have you had it figured out. Yeah, it was figured out by it. yeah, executing. Yeah, no, it it was a little. You know, I initially wanted to, I wanted to provide all that stuff, and then you, you the then lo- almost did. I almost did right, and then the logistics of it. I even went shopping, you know, because I was gonna like I sent via that text to the whole group. I was like, hey guys, I you know I'll provide team dinners every night, and the menus dialed and blah blah blah, and I went shopping for it. And I got the one dinner that would satisfy eight people. And then was like, oh, shoot, like we're going to repeat meals. You know, day one will also be day four, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So then I got double that and I looked at the cart and I was like, my God, it wasn't even the financial side of it as much as it was, where am I going to put all this stuff? What refrigerator exists at a condo? Totally. And then, and then where is everyone going to sit and eat? And then are there going to be enough pans to cook all? Like this is on a... This is on an economy of scale that I, I don't see it happening. Right. And so threw in the towel on it and then went even further. And I tunneled all the way, sent out an email to everyone in Dawn to Dusk and elsewise. I was like, yo, my, my responsibility is Abby this week. Yeah. And so I'm tunneled in. And yeah, y'all flew. And you flew with flying colors. It's pretty cool. It was, it, was, uh, it was a good confidence builder. Um just to know that through all the the going back to 2016 all the way up to, to current that just able to all the lessons all the things that we've put together uh, that I've learned either through fucking up <laughs> uh, or uh, experience or things that I've learned 
through the course of racing with you, just to be able to execute it all was awesome. And it was, it was a pretty big validation of, of everything, especially this year's body of work. So more facts for the, for people listening to kind of have an idea. You beat every day by over an hour against your 2019 time. Um, we didn't get one of the stages due to a weather delay. So you made a comment, which was really cool. Um, I don't think you meant for it to be as insightful as it was, but you said to Abby when talking about missing the one stage and you said you raced the race this year, whatever the race is this year, that's what you race. That's, that's how this works. And so, um, with it being a five stage race instead of a six stage race, um, was it harder? Was it easier? Was it whatever? You didn't care. You said you raced the race that was this year's race, which is super insightful because so many of us race nerds go and we compare times against previous years. What's my anticipation? I know kind of like where I am at in the field. And I'm doing this right now for Park City point to point. I've got coming up Labor Day weekend. And I'm looking to see what the single speed times were um, and knowing that I usually finish in the top 10 of the overall field, even on a single speed. So what's my time going to be? But I'm looking at the people that, and there's a lot I don't know. What was the weather like? Was it muddy? Was it not muddy? Was it hot? Was it like, there are an infinite amount of changes that happen year over year, even when events are exactly the same. So you said that to her and I was like, man, he's right. I mean, I still went and rode the missing stage by myself the next day. Man, but that's just you. (laughs) That's just me. And I wanted to go ride alone because as you mentioned, I hadn't ridden alone for, well, seven consecutive days. Plus the team rides in advance of Leadville. So I was like nine days haven't hadn't ridden alone. Yeah, nine days. And it, uh, it's funny, I was listening to a podcast, a uh, very popular cycling one, and they were talking, one of the hosts was urging people to not use uh, exercise as their outlet for decompressing. And I was, I, I just, I couldn't get with that. Yeah, is this the type of guy that uses like those Tibetan sound bowls instead? Like, no, it was, it was, it was <laughs> semi-odd advice. Uh, but um, so I do, to our air quotes massive audience, they canceled the day. And I think everybody, I think about half the field was actually on board and the other half of the field was probably grumpy because the sun was out at points. It wasn't really raining that much down in Breck. But if you looked up at the top of where the mountain should have been, it there weren't tops of mountains. Yeah, so when uh, I have run the gambit with this, I have been the angry racer, why are you canceling this? And then I have been the person who goes, I have a responsibility of a bunch of people and I need to make the best decision for everyone, uh, even if it's going to make a lot of people upset. And yeah. so... It's hard to be a leader, organizer, director in that role. And so I think they probably made the right call with the information that they had because that's all that you have is the information at hand and they made the right decision. And it just so happens as it turns out in the mountains that the experience we had in town, we were like, this is crap. We could have ridden. And a lot of people did ride that day. I I went for a ride. It wasn't long, but I I didn't just stay on the couch all day. And uh, I think that having the day off in the middle of the stage race, I think it hurt some people. I think it helped other people. Um... I know for our group, I think it was about half and half. I think it probably hurt us more than it helped us, to be honest with you. Because once you have a rhythm, you have a rhythm. And then you jump off your rhythm, and it's like that that startup day. It's all over again, except you're not recovered. Sure. So it's like day one, but depleted day one. Yep. And so um, 
but it was the right decision. They, they took it out and they took out the stage that on the surface is like the least impressive stage out of all six. But I tell you what, man, I rode that thing on Saturday and that is a badass stage. So, okay. So they, the day that we got canceled, one of the big reasons they canceled it was the circumnavigation of Mount Guyot. So you go up and over the Continental Divide twice. You go over French Pass, you descend down some of the best Dude, descending. So badass. Ever. Um, and then you do this kind of shitty fire road, service road climb up to the top of Georgia Pass. And then you descend. Even better trail. Even better. If you like Chunk and Gnar, it is next level Chunk and Gnar now. You descend Colorado Trail. It's an amazing stage. So that was the day that fell on the cancel quote unquote about to be canceled day. Now, Mike Max, the director, he can do whatever the hell he wants. Um, so it starts with a two hour delay and then turns into cancellation cancellation. Um, I didn't mind it. I think the hardest thing for me, what had nothing to do with, uh, the physicality of, of being ready or recovered or not ready or not recovered. It was, I was, very focused and very much race brain and then to like downshift to, okay, I just got to take it full advantage of this and relax. And then to have to re upshift yeah. into race brain. That was the big challenge for me. Yeah. Get used to it. Cause that's what your 12 hour race is going to feel like in December. I think I can handle it over the course of three hours. Yeah. It's hard to have a whole day. Yeah. Watch three movies that starts to feel like a vacation. My ass fell asleep. We woke up, we had co- like, we met up as a group and had coffee and then Colin and I went and had lunch later, you know, like it yeah. starts to feel like the race is over and I'm just in Breck on vacation. You know what I thought of that day was this is what a lot of people do for vacation. Yeah. Like I was looking around, I'm like, wait, this is like your guys' whole. This is week. your this is your whole plan. Like this is because this is boring. It's not, like I had to buy a thirty five dollar candle just so I could feel hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm kind of doing all this to to kind of, I think, Aqueduct is a great stage. I I want to make an argument for why the race was just as hard as it would have been if we did the full six days. And an argument, he's talking about making some course changes and what I think the course changes should be. Cool. Um, so they canceled the day. Canceled the day. They were supposed to do guy out. And then instead of just not doing that stage, which is an amazing stage, um, they call it the queen stage. The best stage. The best stage. They say, okay, well, we're going to keep this stage, which logistically made sense because they already had the course markings out and everything. So already they out. have to sweep the course. And so uh, day four... So we don't race day three. Day four we race, but we race the stage guy on stage, stage three. And we did that because it's it's better than the stage four by comparison. Right. But what it set up for was then our fourth day, which is when we did guy on stage three, we go right into Wheeler the very next day, stage five. And those are two high alpine, hike-a-bike, taxing, uh, exposed chunky technical stages yep. of the whole race. Those are the two. If somebody's going to get jacked up, they're going to get jacked up on those two stages with a higher percentage than any of the others. They are out there. And instead of having them gapped by the aqueduct stage, which provides for some pretty mellow, grindy mileage, 
we get him back to back. Yep. And so, like, I'll just tell you from where I was in the field, we hiked almost all of Mount Guyot. Pretty much the whole thing. Once we hit the first bog, we hiked bikes to the top. And at Wheeler, pretty much from the first bog, marshy area, to the top, which means two miles-ish each day of hiking, pushing a bike uphill. Hike a bike at a at a fast speed, three and a half miles an hour. Back to back days above treeline. Yeah, and I think that that's you just made the argument of why I think this year's race, physically, even with the 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 rest day, was just as hard as doing the full six days. Yes, when you have, yes, Aqueduct is thirty seven miles. Yes, it's six thousand feet of climbing, but you're never up a against it necessarily yeah. case in point i rode a single speed on saturday doing stage four um 34 19 gearing which is like my preferred front range gearing and rode the whole thing and rode the whole thing at an endurance or below heart rate right. so it's manageable yeah it's and it i think it's put in there because okay we they it's break epic so it's got to be a challenge right they can't just shove some you know, 25 mile soft toss in, right? Like it's right. gotta be challenging. So yeah, it's a lot of climbing, but it's not steep. You can ride all of it. It's um, four and a half hours. Like it took me four and a half hours. Yeah. It's I mean, a long day. It's, it's yeah. you're out there, yep. but you're on a bike ride. Yeah. It, so it, if you're, if you had a really hard guy at day, you can do a endurance level recovery not recovery. That's the wrong word to use. But you don't have to like. You can survive that stage four, knowing you have stage five wheeler yeah, coming exactly. next day. Yeah. So that's my argument for why, and I think it sounds like maybe you too. Why this year the five days were just as hard because Gaia and Wheeler back to back is kind of a next level experience. So let's just look at how the rest of the, what the rest of the race thought of it. I assumed on Saturday. So the race finished Friday um, with stage six. I assumed on Saturday morning that there was rain coming about noon or one o'clock. So you had to get out there by by eight. I was out there just after 7.30. I assumed I'd see a lot of people riding stage four. As a makeup? As a makeup or like, because I want to get all of them, blah, blah, blah. Not a single <laughs> Breck Epic. So yeah. out of hundreds and hundreds of people, yeah. not a single person was out there. And the only people I saw were once I got to Keystone... And there were people that are in Keystone staying and just doing those trails. Uh, I didn't see any Breck Epic competitors. And then when I posted my Strava, I had a handful of them comment like, oh, man, we thought about doing that. But my body said no effing way. Yeah. So was it as hard? Well, no one else did the makeup. Yep. So I think they all thought so. Well, I also think everybody drilled it pretty hard on Friday. Yeah. I mean, you got to get. Yeah. I mean, it's the last stage, right? You ring it out. Well, I think there's kind of two groups of people of, hey, this is the victory lap. I just need to finish four hours of riding and I'm done. And then there's the other people who are thinking, this is the last day. I want to finish as strong as I possibly can. Yeah, they always talk about, you know, they, they market that last day as, you know, this is the enjoy day, you know. And I'll tell you what, again, kudos to her for finishing this thing, but you know, Abby is the part of the race that is probably on the on the very end of this being capable. You be or you being capable as a racer to finish this thing. And it was not easy. 
she did not think like, oh, this is the super simple stage I stopped. It's still a beast, and especially when you've been riding bikes for a week. Like yeah. I think that yeah. the way they've just talk about it, they're speaking about it comparatively. Yeah. Hey, of all the stages, this is the one that is the least amount of elevation per mile. This is the one that's the least challenging climbing. Yeah, I get all that, but it's still a punch right in the middle of the eyes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's still 30 miles and it's still 3,700 feet of climbing. Yeah. And it starts off with in the woods, technical, <laughs> technical rudy, bike. rocky, single track climbing. And I know that people in the part of the race that I was at were thinking to themselves, what the F, man? This is not an easy bike ride. It's not. It's, I do genuinely think it is the only stage that I don't think is good is Wheeler. Yeah. And that's where, um, for the part of the race that I was in, and I kind of want to get to that because I raced in a part of the field that I'm never in. Mm-hmm. Um, because Abby and I do a duo, we, we have to ride together. And so I rode at the pace she's riding at, and I'm in a spot where I'm never at. And the race is approached incredibly differently from the people at the front of the race where I usually race and the people at the back of the race that are there to complete the event. And there are a lot of, and I have a few, uh, things that people in the completion side of the race do that really work against them, like put themselves in a bad, bad spot. And I think Wheeler is the stage that that proves that. Yeah. Um, so I love Wheeler. But I get how the second half of the race hates Wheeler. You know, so I I think part of why I don't like Wheeler. So when I was at the, like, the, and it's so funny. Because I, I guess an hour is a lot in terms of position on the course. One of the things that you're going to refer to is ride as much as you can. Yeah. And for both Guyot and Wheeler, I was in that group. Um, I still don't think it makes Wheeler a great stage. <laughs> well, so for those that haven't done Breck Epic or just to like paint the picture here, here's the stage. Wheeler starts off at the base of Breckenridge Ski Resort at Beaver Run. Three, two, one, go in groups of 10 staged one minute apart based on your finish time the previous day. So that way you get people of similar paces riding together. So three, two, one, go. There's about a hundred yards of dirt uh, road, and then you dump into single track. You have in the woods, technical ish, steep climbing for a couple of miles. Then you get to fire road for another couple of miles, and then you are back on a single track that climbs to get above tree line to a false summit that then finally climbs to the top of Wheeler, which is uh, you know, the mountains between Breckenridge and Copper. They call them the 10 mile range. Yeah, you get to the top of that one. And then you drop down for about a mile and a half, two-mile descent, and you're back on the Colorado Trail, where then you climb back up above tree line and basically along the ridge line of this mountain range. You drop from the top of that as you top out at almost 13,000 feet, and you drop down into some chunk, fast, gnarly descending for about seven miles, and then you finish with eight miles of the Peaks Trail, single track, pretty mellow, back to Breck. That's the stage. The complaints come that... From the moment you approach Wheeler to descending off Wheeler, approaching the next peak called Mount Goddammit, as they call it. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. And then descend down. That is all high elevation, chunky, exposed. And if you aren't very versed in technical skills, 
it's easier to just say, I can walk this. It's safer maybe even to say, yeah. I can walk this. Okay. Why is Wheeler so badass in my opinion? You can't get there any other way. To the victor of the spoils, if you're willing to put in the effort and the work, you will get a view and a descent and an experience that is not received by very many people because of the work it requires to get there. Notice, you didn't see a lot of people not in the race. I mean, some Colorado Trail through hikers, but outside of that, people aren't riding up there. Right. People are not riding up there. People are not going up there. And so if you're coming to Breckenridge for the Breck Epic and you say, how do I best experience Breckenridge? At least one of the times you have got to get up into some real gnarly, serious, holy shit stuff. And when you approach Mount Goddammit, you got to stop and look to your left down a steep mountain range and you see Copper Mountain. And to your right, you look down a steep mountain range and you see Breckenridge and Frisco and you were on the tiny little ridge in between the two of them with your freaking bike, dude. You just can't get there unless you bust your balls. And that is the beauty of it to me. The beauty of that, knowing a week later from now or two weeks later from now, I'm going to be riding on Green Mountain in Denver Metro and I'm going to have 100 different people coming up the trail with retractable leashes and headphones and all the things. Right now... The only people around me are some bad motherfuckers. Yeah. Because they put in the work. And that's the romance behind that type of stage. I, I'm not going to disagree with you on any one part of that. I'm not going to disagree with you on any of it. Um, I think you got a field of 500 riders. Uh-huh. Okay. Of that field, how many are professional? How many are. I, I just think. I would categorize myself as an above average mountain biker. Agreed. And I've ridden some pretty gnarly shit across my whole career as a mountain biker. And I still think that that course has the least opportunity for the biggest population of the race to feel accomplished. Oh, totally. So I, I a hundred percent agree. I also think, though, that stage six is only as glorious as it is because stage five is as gnarly as it is. Like, um, you'll love this. I'm going to draw a good picture for you because you're a music nerd. Um, before music got to how it is now, where you're really just downloading individual songs, it's playlist stuff. I was watching a movie recently, and uh, this movie, Vengeance, with Ashton Kutcher and some other It's a very interesting movie. Uh, about a podcaster, actually. And uh, this guy, this music producer character goes, ah, to another guy, ah, you're a playlist guy. You just go on Apple Music and they curate a playlist based on stuff you listen to. And then your next playlist is curated on the stuff that you listen to that they made for you that you listen to. So you get kind of, like you're not making any decisions, right? But prior to the playlist era, you would listen to a whole album, right? Yeah. And musicians putting together an album, be it a band or a solo artist, there is a flow to an album. And not all songs, they know not all songs are just bangers, right? They're going to have this like sure. I, journey. I, I played music and I released CDs. We did the, all of that. Yeah. So from track one to track 12 whatever, yeah. or whatever, there's a journey. And you know that track seven probably isn't going to be the banger. But it's it's required so that if somebody listens to six and then seven is like, meh. Eight is going to hit. And so it has to have that flow. And that's what Wheeler is. Wheeler is the 
there's this buckle that you get, and it says BMF on ours this year. Bad motherfucker on, stamped on the rear. Now, if they're all super manageable and you ride them all, does BMF really mean anything? But when your best buddy breaks his shoulder, the fastest rider on our team tears his hand up, um, our second fastest rider blows up a wheel, losing top box, and people falling off left and right, and Wheeler is re- responsible for a lot of that, right? When you look at that buckle, it kind of means something now. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I don't disagree with you. It's just not like every, even Guyot, as hard as it is, is still super enjoyable. Yeah. So that's all I'm going to say. I just want my one marshmallow, man. Can no, you- <laughs> I'm not giving it to you. I'm not backing up on this because I, I am a. No, I, I wouldn't. And, so and Wheeler is my favorite stage. As a, as a, as a bike racer, you're 100% right. As somebody who understands, you know, putting together an event, you're 100% right. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I disagree. <laughs> so by saying you're not wrong, but I disagree means that you're saying that you're wrong, but you're okay with that because I want to feel this way. <laughs> emotions. And that's really what beats people down on the Wheeler stage is yeah, emotions because you hard. get into a spot where you're walking and the amount of effort it takes to get on the bike to pedal a hundred yards before you're walking again and you have to get off the bike, yeah. it starts to become like, this isn't worth it. I'll just walk the whole time. Yep. And that's what happens in the second part of the field. Even the mid part of the field yeah. is that there's a lot of walking. And then those two miles from the Colorado trail interchange at the bottom of that wheeler descent to the top of Mount Goddammit, those two miles can take people over an hour Yeah, um, because it's not just basic hiking. Um, it's hard. It's like two mile an hour or slower hiking because it's steep and it's chunky and there's rock fields and there's this and that. Um, I was sitting there waiting. Um, Abby and I created a, a pretty good flow throughout the event. So it started off, I just rode behind her. And day one, I'm riding behind her and doing a steep Jeep road descent. And I now, if I'm riding behind her, I have to just take her line. And so I'm just following her line blindly and I smash my rear wheel into a rock I didn't see because I can't see through her. And I get a flat. And so that was the six CO2 situation. So we determined, hey, I'll ride behind you on flats, on climbs, but on the descents, I'm just going to go. And so that's what I ended up doing. And so on the wheeler stage, you know, I helped to get our both of our bikes up there. And then I just go and I'm waiting for her. And all of these racers now are coming through. And the amount of them that were complaining about that descent off of wheeler to that interchange Man, that was the hard. I didn't expect that. That was so hard. That's not even mountain bike. How can you even ride that? How can you? And they're bitching. And I turned to the guy who was there with me. He was a medic hanging out there, local Breckenridge dude. You could tell like he's an enduro guy for sure, right? And I look at him I'm like, bro, that was like some of the best trails. I was like, dude, I don't know why he was complaining. This is badass downhill. But when you're an XC racer coming to do an XC oriented race. That stuff can spook you. And this group, for instance, was from Michigan. And the next group's from Nebraska. And then this group's from North Carolina. And so, my guys, you're in the Colorado Rockies. And so, for the race field that I was in, they're getting in their emotions. What is this kid even ride this kid? I I kept looking at them like, guys, take a big fucking breath and look around. You're never going to be here again with your bike. Yeah. This is badass. Like, this is what you remember. And 
I got a lot of chuckles and then people starting to kind of see it a little bit, right? Then I said the same thing to Abby. I go, are you going to quit? Because she didn't like that stage either. Yeah. You're going to quit? No, I'm not going to quit. I was like, okay, so you're going to trudge forward pissed off or are you going to trudge forward being like, wow, this is dope. I'm probably only going to ever do it once. Yeah. But you get a pick. Either way, you're trudging forward because you said you're not going to quit. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that I have your bike on my shoulders <laughs> and it's at the top of this hill already. Yeah. Um, to be clear, I wasn't mad at the stage. No, uh, that, I, I noticed that in you. You never, like I said, you never had a low point the whole I week. Didn't. Which was weird. <laughs> no, it's weird for you. <laughs> Is weird for you know. because it's new. It is new. And when you are capable, you get to enjoy things that you do. You get to do them the way you want to do them. It'd be like if I came to your house right now because you just got this new PS like 36 or whatever they're on right now for PlayStation. <laughs> and I'm going to play a game with you. You yeah. know all the fucking buttons. Yeah. And you're going to, and like, I'm, I'm going to learn like three of them out of like 33 of them. Yeah. You're, you're not going to play the game very differently. Yeah. You're now playing mountain bike. And you know all 33 buttons. Right, right. Um, I also think there's a there's an easy mentality shift that everybody wants to get mad at. Mike, people get mad at the trail. Nothing's dumber than getting mad at dirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't need to argue back because it's been here for thousands of years. Right. Uh, but people do get mad at, mad at the trail. Oh, this trail, how do you even ride this? I, the only time... In situations like that, that I get, I won't even say angry, I, that I get frustrated, is I get frustrated with my ability. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I've said this, and I stand by this, that one of my strengths as a bike racer is growth mentality. And I just, it makes me want to learn how to be better at that shit. Yeah. Like the whole time, I'm thinking, man, I really need a touch-up class with Coach Andy. Right. Man, I really need to just do more of this. Not f this trail and Mike's a dick and why would he put this in? Like there was none of that. It was it was all internalized towards. I should probably just figure out how to do this better. Yeah. So this is funny. Uh, on that stage in particular, and other stages throughout the race, I was in this walking world, right, where people people are hiking this trail. Yeah. And uh, on Wheeler in particular, I got on my bike a lot more and rode the shit <laughs> just to. Not say not saying I was flexing on because I don't need to flex on that part of the field of the of the race, but to show them that no, in fact, a lot of people today rode all of this, like the top part of the race. When you think that um, oh, well, the pros are just special, no, like across the board, they're just more talented and fit than you. Well, but we, they didn't get bored. They didn't crawl out of their moms that way. Like they learned it, and so this is what it looks like. So I was riding. Some like that stuff at the very top. That's all. Like that there is no basically trail. a boulder field. It's just a boulder field. Yeah. I rode all of it just so that they were like, "Oh shit!" And yeah, like I flexed a little bit on my wife just so you know she knew what was up. <laughs> well, and I think that was. It's weird to do an event that I said that I wouldn't really do again. Like at least not in the way that we did it in 2019. And I had a, a lot of lessons that I learned, or like revelations i guess that that came to me and one of them and we talked about this at coffee on uh friday afternoon is you can do it everybody can do it if you 
take the time to cultivate the fitness to be able to do it. It's not about what the bike can do or the trail. It's about the person piloting the bike. And so I know that stuff's rideable. I'm and and to lock that that revelation in, I didn't just magically go an hour faster. I cultivated the fitness to be able to ride more things more consistently over the course of five days back to back to back to back. It wasn't magic. Right. I just worked towards developing the ability to, to do that. And that was a big thing for me. Just realizing like, man, I walked this that year and I walked this and I walked this. And it's like, why did you walk so fucking much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in walking really slows you down. My back is still hurt. Um, okay. So some more numbers. Lachlan Morton won the Breck Epic. Yep. And he won it with a total time of 14 hours and 14 minutes. I know this very specifically, <laughs> not because I like have a Lachlan Morton tattoo on my chest or anything, but because Abby and I finished Breck Epic this year. In 28 hours, in 28 minutes, we were exactly double his time to the minute. All right. That's crazy. So, to my next point about being in this part of the field, which was new to me. This event is way harder when it takes you 28 hours and 28 minutes than when it takes you 14 hours and 14 minutes. And this is something that um, Rick learned as well, and, and it contributed to some of his inability to complete the full Breck Epic, which was Abby and I would get done with the stage, have that celebratory like high five, like, oh, we did it. Sometimes there were tears, and sometimes there weren't. But either way, it was like, we did it. Um, gobble down a few snacks. But then right to the condo, she got into the shower. I'm washing bikes, rinsing shoes, washing kits, Close into the laundry, back up, making food, recovery drinks, taking my shower, drying the bikes, relubing the bikes, checking to see if anything was like <laughs> jacked up for the from the ride, putting the clothes back into the dryer, and then hustling to the racer meeting by 5 p.m. It was it got to a point that after day two, as soon as we got back to the condo, I made a coffee. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm I'm action Jackson in and it's go. So when it takes you that long each day, your downtime is uh, wildly compressed, severely impacted. Versus Lachlan gets done, He's and maybe <laughs> maybe he rolls his bike over to Joe. It's his dude, and uh, and he takes the takes the bike and does the cleaning stuff. But even if he had to do the cleaning, he's going to get done before noon, and we're getting done at like two thirty or three. Yep. Uh, those are three hours where he is legs up, eating, drinking, Chilling. hot tub, and whatever it is, right. Um, the back half of any race I'm learning now has a much harder complete effort and time than the front half. Yeah. And so the more durable, I would say more badass athletes are those motherfuckers I rode with all week. Oh, I agree. You know, Elander uh, said to him that, you know, the, the back of the pack is more inspiring to him than racing with guys like Lachlan. Yeah. Um, what they endure, how long they're out there. You're just up against it for the whole week. I'm going to, so I'll, I'll reveal some things. Um, Abby's ass hurts so <laughs> bad <laughs> to the girl's credit. She's done the, the only reason that, and this is a plug for myself because the only reason that she was able to complete the Breck Epic is that she has done every Dawn to Dust camp. She did all five camps this year. Yep. So she knew what it was like to do 
morning workouts and long afternoon rides three days in a row, multiple times over the duration of the season. So she knew what it was going to feel like. But three days of riding back to back to back, hard, long days, isn't the same as five. And so by the last day, her butt hurt so bad. She goes, I can't even sit on the seat. And I was like, okay, well, then you shift three gears up. Let's lock out the suspension and stand up. Because yep. again, you ain't going to quit. And a long fucking walk. So it's a long well walk. To pedal. And, and she was initially just gearing down into her granny gear and spinning. And I go, all you're doing is ensuring you're on that sore butt for longer. Yeah. Like the only way to feel good is to be done. The only way to be done is to go faster. Yeah. And so if you're faster, these events, they are easier. Yep. Uh, period. Like, and it's coming from the dude who does it. Like I've done sub seven hour freaking hundred milers yeah. and I've done 12 hour hundred milers. The 12 hour ones are harder. I, and it to think just so everybody has like a clear idea, it doesn't need to be as fast. You don't have to think that it's going to, in order to, to successfully accomplish it, you need to be Lachlan fast or pro field fast. I just had an extra hour per day. And the difference was massive. And I don't you mean it, you had an extra hour per day versus 19. Versus yeah, 19, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's huge. I mean, to to get back to the house, shower and food, and then have two hours before you have to get to the racer meeting versus 30 minutes, Yeah, it's just such a different experience. Well, the energy across, and that's where I tried to do, so I don't think she, hopefully she doesn't listen to this. My only goal. She'll probably listen to this one. My only goal was to stay positively encouraging without being annoying yeah. for the whole time. Just to support her the way she wants to be supported, which is oftentimes is in silence. Yeah. Right? Just be there. Um, be there and shut up. I remember at one point on day one, she said, I can do this myself. I don't need you. And so I was like, well, that was really mean. So I rode away. <laughs> Uh, for a little bit and then came back and then she was, you know, it wasn't as hard. She wasn't as stressed. And she goes, I mean, I don't really mean that, but like, God, I just, uh, (laughs) and so by day, like three, when I'm carrying her bike for her, I go, remember that? Like, I don't need you. I don't need you. I can do this. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you carrying that bike right now. So like, um, I just wanted to stay positive for her. And part of that was taking care of all those intangibles right when the stage got over so that she could feel inspired to keep going. But if you're up there doing it by yourself and you finish six and a half hour stages or seven hour stages, and then you're the one responsible for doing all that, you're going to feel on the rivet frazzled the entire time. Yep. Like being pushed and pulled in all these directions. And, uh, yep. Yeah. It was, uh, it's hard. And, and again, just, uh, I was, I was shocked at what a difference of 45 minutes or an hour a day for me made. It's huge. Um, did we miss anything? I mean, I know we didn't like this is a bad recap if somebody's looking for a stage by stage blow by blow uh recap of the race. We did that. Right, yeah, we did 2019. That, we did that episode exists. It's two-parter. Uh the stages are the same. The experiences were different. So, if that's what you were hunting for, go back to 2019 catalog. It's there. Uh, if you're curious about Breck Epic in more detail, the actual race itself. I kind of want to stick to that. I want to button that point real quick because that was our first season of the podcast and the Breck Epic was the thing. Yep. 
And I think what's really neat about today and the way we approach this conversation is that the Breck Epic is no longer your the thing because we've really chronicled your development a lot this year from bike race participant to bike racer. Yep. And, kind of an accidental theme. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and boy, it just continues to hold true. And as we talked about a few episodes ago, when we, when we finished LaRuda, we talked about how when you finish a big thing, it's an opportunity to level up unless you finish the big thing in like shut, shut it down. down. Yesterday you and I were on the phone and I said very pointedly, I was like, what's your bike ride for the day? Yeah. Um, when in 2019, I didn't talk to you about a bike ride for many, several, a lot of days. A lot, a long time. Uh, and you did back then what you do when you are a mountain bike race participant and you dove into a non-bike racer cave for quite some time. Yeah. A month. Yeah. Two months. Yep. And I put on our notes here, you know, like, you're a level up guy now. So you just did the Breck Epic. Felt great the whole time. Smashed your time goals. Completed it. Didn't break a body. Didn't break a bike. But it's only August. Yeah. Well, we already have a we have a an event in December. In December. But August, we've got a lot of stuff. There's a lot of runway. So, what gets Harley back working hard like tomorrow? Whether it's on the bike or in yeah. the gym, or like, like what? Because racing every month was a theme of mine for the last few years. Sure, it's going to stop after this year, um, but it's because I always want to be improving. So events do that for me. I know they do that for you. How do we move? How do you go and do a hard effort tomorrow? Um, yeah, we've just defined the new hard, the new normal, a lot of ways. Whether it's been from doing something like LaRuda and then having a Breck Epic after it or riding in some super inclement weather and being like, I got through that. Now my definition of what unrideable weather is, is different. Um, I don't know necessarily that I am a bike racer that needs the carrot dangled in that way anymore. Uh, Molly made a, a comment uh, about, well, now that training's done, because she's used to that, that ebb and flow of my efforts. I was like, babe, it's not done. This is just kind of what I do now, right? right? So I think that's where I'm at. I don't think I need a thing. Now, will, will having something on the calendar uh, incentivize me a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Do I need it to wake up tomorrow? And if you say, dude, you need to go do a two-hour uh, threshold race pace effort, do I need the event on the calendar to set my alarm and have my bottles ready and everything? No. I guess the real question should be, are you going to drink Carborocket this week? Because that's really <laughs> what it boils down to. Yeah. Like, if you're drinking Carborocket, you know you're still a racer. Yeah. No, I... I, I um. My fitness has progressed, and it's weird. Uh, Chad asked me if I thought I had recognized my full potential as a racer because I hadn't had any lows that week. Mm -hmm. um, and the answer was like a pretty firm no. And so 
there is a little bit of a mentality of I want to continue to do hard efforts and stay in, in a training mindset. But I would also... Maintenance isn't the word I want to use, but like I'm not looking to make massive gains between, say, now and January 1st. Right. I'm looking to stay where I am with a little bit, you know, if improvement comes great, but I don't want to lose the improvement. And I'll argue both from the perspective of a former gym guy to a cycle guy now, the maintenance that you're talking about is, well, it took a whole hell of a lot of work to get this. Yeah. It's not like it's going to take less work to keep this, right? right? Like, you know, the amount of work they do on a NASCAR between Sunday races to the following to the next Sunday sure. is a ton of work to try to get it to perform as well as it did on Sunday. Like right. maintenance is not easy. And in so many of these ebb and flow people think, well, I got it. And you're like, no, dude, it took a long time to get it. You got to keep tuning it. Yep. Keep tuning well, it. Well, and when I say maintenance, I, I think. I think that's the right word, by the way. Sure. I agree with the word. Um, but am I going to ride eight to 12 hours a week? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and that's what I say. Like it, this is just how you do it, who I am as an athlete yep. now. And so if you and I talk and you know, the, the December race is a great carrot cause I don't want to feel like a weak link in a group of eight dudes. Right. Um, so there's that, you know, there's and your squad's fast. I don't know who my squad is. So me, Bennett, Shane, and you, Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's that's the squad that's yeah so even more so it's like when we got the sponsors <laughs> that we got this year i said to you hey based on the support that we're getting from these players in the, in the in the industry i feel an obligation to be a better athlete and then now knowing that i feel an obligation as a teammate to those people to be like all right well shit i just need to like delete this whole part of the podcast because now i definitely need to step up the game Cause I'm the slow guy on that squad. So comparatively, not to say I'm slow. We were at the awards <laughs> banquet on Friday and they're going through everything. They're doing the deal and blah, blah, blah. And the email comes out with, oh, yeah. you know, you know, you guys are great. And here's links to photos. And Oh, by the way, here's a link and a coupon code for next year's registration. Um, Chad feels a little unscratched, scratch and sniff because he wants that first place. Um, Elander with the fingers, he's like, I'm coming back, and he wants the first place. And Abby looks at me on stage six as we were climbing the fire road. She goes, you need a different partner next year. And I looked at her and said, sweetheart, I love you, but this is a one and done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did I tell you, like, uh, servitude's over on the Brock Epic. I love you. Uh, I registered already for 2023 solo single speed. I'm going to go win that shit. Good. Um, well, and it was funny because I, I was like, you know, you've done this race twice. It's not a cheap race. No part of it's cheap. And you've never gone to win. No, I've gone always on the back of Leadville. I've always gone. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm, I'm there next year. I'm going to win. I'm not going to. I'm winning. Yeah. I'm winning. Um and that led me to this like 2023 psychosis is what I call it, because that's where <laughs> I ended up yesterday after a full Chemex of pour over, which I had missed greatly in uh, the whole blood epic situation. 
So I drink my whole Chemex and I go, you know, I really need to update Dawn to Dusk for 23. I got to get some plans in place because that's how I operate and I got to start selling this now, right? Like that's yeah. how it works. Well, now 23 is already all the way planned out. Literally every month. <laughs> and it is... Hectic. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. And so you say that you don't need the carrot necessarily to stay this training. I, yesterday, I looked at the shrinking hourglass, the sand funneling through, and looked at mortality and looked at time and my opportunity in my life. And all of that stuff was happening as I had a crackling candle and the dregs of that Chemex left in my cup. And I thought, man, like you don't ever get this again. Whether this is Wheeler Stage 5, Section 2 Miles to Mount Goddammit, whether it's drinking coffee after we finish the event, whether it's riding up that fire with my wife, sitting at that awards banquet watching Chad celebrate with his beautiful handlebar mustache. Like whatever it is, like you can't ever redo this. You can do it again, as you said, very pointedly. We raced this year's race. You can't ever do that again. So I'm mapping out and I go, I don't ever get to do it again. What do I want to do with all 33 buttons of control? (laughs) And that's what I got to map out. And that's what is your challenge before we get to Labor Day weekend. Not that I know you need a carrot. You admitted you don't. And I truly think that you don't. I truly think that you have a way of eating and drinking and moving and operating right now that makes McDonald's not a food establishment and three days off in a row not a functional movement pattern. I know that. But we don't ever get this level of fitness. We don't ever get this confidence. We don't ever get these 33 buttons ever again. So how is Harley going to play his next life? Leveled up. And that's what your challenge is going to be. And that's why I encourage every athlete, after the moment of reflection, whether it's celebration or misery, <laughs> you pull your pants back on yeah. and you go, if I don't plan, think, aspire, dream, map, then I just burn. Burn the time. Yeah. And, and to be clear, that wasn't said with not wanting to plan. Because I... Cause you're you're hundred percent right, and this time I I love this podcast because I have been right so much today per your words, <laughs> uh, and this time I agree. <laughs> uh, I it's not to say that I haven't started because I've I've done a lot of really big stuff, um, and I don't say that in a, in a braggardly kind of way. It's just like how my mind has been like. If one big thing one year is a good idea, why not do two two big things one year? And why not, and why not do three things? Like, you know, and uh, it's kind of been a thing. And it's the the thought process becomes you've done things that, to the outside perspective, are so far out of the scope of of what most people would consider a thing that they would do. What are you, like, how do you make it interesting for you? Or, you know, speaking to myself, yeah. like, how do I make it 
more interesting for me and keep the challenge. And so I, I've, I don't know yet is yeah. it, uh, I hope nobody, no, was, nobody was hoping for an actual answer on this episode, but uh, you know, I, I have been trying to think of not even, uh, Hey, what's realistically accomplished. Like what can I accomplish? It, it it's, Okay, in the most outlandish of worlds, what can I accomplish? Yeah, because not for nothing. I mean, Laruda, I was, I remember, I have a client who I've had for a very long time, and he did it back in like two thousand eight or nine, and I was like, that sounds like a bunch of bullshit. And then you did it, and I was like, that sounds like a bunch of bullshit. And then we went and did it. Yeah. Um, there are those type of events that carry a weight that when you hear someone else did it. You're like, oh my God. And, you know, for a lot of the country, that's the Leadville 100. Yep. And for a lot of the, of North and South America, it's Breck Epic, actually. Yeah. Um, having traveled there, you know, that's the race that they all point to in Central and South America as the race to do in America. You met that couple from Spain, mm-hmm. that this was their bucket list. We're never going to be here ever again event. Yep. And, you know, we get to drive an hour and a half and be there. So, um, you have till Labor Day. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's good. Pen, just, paper, and blank yeah. sheets. I don't know. I really don't know. I've you know, it's uh, just so everybody has some clue of things that I'm thinking is like, well, do you just take what you've done this year and you know the hell with rationing it up to eleven? You ration it up to fifteen and see how good you can do. Like really, with okay, yeah, you were. 75% dedicated and focused this year, but what's a hundred percent dedication and focus look like? I don't know. So, and then it's okay. Well, I kind of got the green light go from my wife for, Hey, we'll do one international travel event with a bike race. As long as there's a vacation on the end. So there's that thing too. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm excited to, to figure it out though. Guys, thanks for sort of coming on the Breck Epic with us, <laughs> um, but more importantly, coming on this on this just journey of what it's like to evolve and to evolve for the better um, in the face of life that is always consistently, increasingly becoming more challenging every day that we're alive. Um, and yet we can still find the opportunity to create priorities, create shifts, and create experiences where you get to enjoy what you're doing. And I watched you enjoy that shit. And that was super cool. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought spending the week, even though I was riding at a much different pace than I normally do, but spending the week with my wife riding mountain bikes and watching her accomplish something that, not for nothing, not a lot of women out there. No, This isn't a men versus women. Not a lot of beginner-ish or even moderate to intermediate mountain bikers out there. Like that was a deal. And so to watch her successfully complete that and to be there part of it and to, and to know that I helped her in doing that, dude, that was like the coolest week ever. And in closing, as long as I don't have to ever ride that fucking tandem mountain bike again, I literally think any bike ride is enjoyable because <laughs> that jalopy was the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Rob, but I don't ever want to have your head in my ass or that other part of you that we won't name in the middle of my back going up Columbine, my God.
All right. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't wait. You're not done. So get the fuck out. Don't wait. You're done. So get the fuck out. Don't wait. You're done. So get the fuck out.